What is good, everybody? I tell you what's not good. Anything to do with the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome to the week 13 edition of the Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. With me tonight, Levin Black and Levin. What the hell? <laughs> we really shouldn't have been surprised, but uh, I got to admit, I was a little surprised and kind of kicking myself there the moment the game started to turn, going, why did I let myself do this to myself? Like, I knew better. Every single time the 49ers have had expectations this year, they have let you down in a big way. Week one, right opening week of the season, Arizona Cardinals, awesome. What happens? They lay an egg. Dud. They win a couple games. Week four against the Eagles. Here we go. We're going to, doesn't matter. We're injured. We're still going to do it. Dud. They lose to the Eagles. The week after that, oh, no problem. We got Miami coming up. They get obliterated by the Dolphins. Absolutely obliterated. No expectations for the Rams game. What happens? Oh, they dominate the Rams. Holy crap. Okay, but then the Patriots are coming in. Bill Belichick's pretty smart. And they dominate the Patriots again. Oh, my God. And then who comes up? The Seahawks. And what happens in that game? The 49ers lay an egg again. Time after time after time this season, when this team has had expectations to play well, they have let you down, and they did it again tonight. Buffalo's offense absolutely dominated the game from go, and if it weren't for a goal line stand in the first possession, the 49ers would have had even more, a bigger deficit in this one. It's just been the story all year, Levin. It's another one of those games of what were the coaches doing? Like, what was the game plan? I mean, you could say the offense at least started well because they did go down and drive 98 yards. And then what happened? Yeah, they didn't score. They went for it. It's got to be the first. It has to be the first back-to-back drives in NFL history to be a turnover on downs on the one. Opponents won. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> but, and then the yeah. Bills get the ball back, and on the first play, they fumble it and turn it back over to the 49ers. They might not even have scored at all in the first quarter. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it's one of those games. I mean, we'll get into it more in depth here, but what was the defensive game plan? Because that was horrendous. Might have been the worst performance of the defense the entire year, the entire time under this regime. I mean, it was an embarrassment. Josh Allen did whatever he wanted. I don't understand what the problem was on defense. It was pathetic. Like the 49ers don't get a ton of pass rush. We know that. But it was zone defense the entire game, and Josh Allen was doing whatever he wanted. He was hitting Stephon Diggs on those curl routes anytime they needed a completion. I mean, it was an absolute joke out there. It was easy for him. Not only did he play great, but it was it was easy. He didn't even look like he was trying hard. Robert Sala, I don't know if he was reading his press clippings about how he's going to be such a great head coach next year, but Brian Dayball took him to the woodshed. Let's just get all into it. What happened was the it's the same criticism, and we even said when we were praising Salah in the recent weeks, he still has this one negative, and it reared its head today. He is a phenomenal game planner. Four games out of five, he's going to come in with a game plan that completely shuts down the opponent's offense as best as you could possibly game plan to do. It's that one out of five where things don't go well, and guess what? He is not somebody that can adjust on the fly, period. Like, that, that's that got to be rubber stamped at this point. 
He is not somebody that can adjust his defense to make up for a bad game plan. For a game plan, the offense that you're playing against came out, was expecting, and had a, had their game plan designed to beat yours, and he doesn't adjust, and that's what we saw this in this game. The Bills were doing the same thing over and over again. The zones weren't adjusted. People's assignments weren't adjusted. It was the same thing over and over again. Nothing was ever changed. They just, well, maybe it'll work this time. And guess what? It didn't. It was pathetic. It was Josh Allen, I think, in the first half was 14 of 15 against zone coverage. 14 of 15 for like 136 yards. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous. This was, you know what this was, Levin? This was the defense that I thought we were going to see when Bosa and Ford went down. This was exactly the kind of defense I thought we were going to see. No pass rush to speak of whatsoever. Richard Sherman looking old and scared as hell that everyone was going to run past him. And poor Fred Warner out there trying to do everything by himself and getting no help from anybody. And that's exactly what it was tonight. Right. And, okay, you mentioned him, so I'm going to go there. There's two definites that come out of this game, I think. Two 100% definites. One, playoff chances, you know, give me a break, it's over. You know, you, you could say technically they could still make it, yeah, sure, but this team just doesn't have the firepower with the injuries to reel off three straight wins, period. Not against the Seahawks, Arizona, Washington. They're not winning those three games. I mean, Washington just took down Pittsburgh. So that's not even that easy of a game looking at it anymore. But the other definite is Richard Sherman does not deserve another contract. Like, I guess deserve maybe is the wrong choice of words because he's played great for the 49ers. It's been a quality signing. You know, everything's been good on the that end. He's been in what you could hope for. But he's certainly looking like toast, like the injuries have taken their toll on somebody that already struggled with the speed now he just simply doesn't have it he does not have the physical tools to be effective in the nfl game and you can tell by the way he plays that he knows it because we saw in this game he's playing 10 15 yards off already has his body turned now that's not anything new because he's been doing it pretty much his entire time with the niners because he knows he could get beat too easily but in this game not only was he doing that, but at the snap, he was retreating. You're already 15 yards away from your guy. Why are you retreating? And what did the Bills do? They ran underneath routes over and over again, or they ran crossing routes. Because guess what? When you're 15 yards off the line of scrimmage from your guy and he runs a short crosser, you're playing catch-up, and Sherm doesn't have the catch-up speed to make up for it. it. It was a game plan built to beat this Niners defense, and they couldn't adjust. And Sherman should not be brought back. I mean, he he brought it up this week. Well, he yeah, brought, he knows it. Yeah, he brought up that it doesn't look likely. That's probably because he's going out and trying to find a team that still wants to pay him as an all-pro or as close to it as he can get because he was an all-pro last year. But the film speaks, and he's just not worth paying anything. I mean, we saw it tonight. Fred Warner makes an unbelievable play jumps, dives, catches the ball to make an interception. And what happened? Oh, it got negated because Richard Sherman is hugging Stefan Diggs, who is blowing past him down the field. Like he he's terrified of getting beat deep. His whole game 
is centered around not getting beat deep. It's not what the quarterback's going to do. It's not, you know, what's the coverage, what this, it's, it's just, okay, first thing, don't get beat deep. And then if I can stop anything else, I'll try and do it. I mean, that you can't play corner like that. And I'm certainly not bringing that guy back for the money he's going to want next year. No, thanks, Richard. That play is ironic in a certain sense because it's the only play I saw in this game that Sherman didn't retreat at the snap. What he was doing on that play was he was predicting or guessing that they were going to throw an underneath route and he was trying to jump it. You saw that snap that he squared up and he started kind of inching forward like he was going to break on something, expecting a pass to come or an out route or an underneath cut. And instead, Diggs just kept running. And when Sherman realized it, it was too late. His only choice was to hug him there and take the penalty. It just happened to come on a Warner turnover. And that, to me, is the play of the game for either team. Because that play swung everything. If the Niners get that interception, they're in control. I think they were leading at the time, and they would have the ball. And it would be the second turnover by the defense. They would have all the momentum. From the moment... That was called back. The game was over. The Niners were not in the game after that. You can think they were in the game when they got it to within 10 points, but they hadn't stopped the Bills all night. So 10 points was insurmountable because the Bills are going to do whatever they want. For me, the most devastating play of the game was the Contavious Street roughing the passer penalty. I mean, it's second and 19. The 49ers actually had good coverage on a play. Josh Allen is rolling out, rolling towards the sideline. He's got nowhere to go. He throws an incompletion, and Contavious Street, for some reason, decides that he wants to touch Josh Allen, maybe because no 49ers player had done it all night and he just wanted to see what the jersey felt like. I don't really know what the hell the problem was there, but he hits Josh Allen. Now, admittedly, Josh Allen probably sold it, but that's what he should do because he's trying to keep the ball in his offense's hands. And he falls down and he gets the flag. It was 24 to 10 at that point. The 49ers were down two scores and there was plenty of time left in the game. They were, they were going to actually have the bills face a third and long, which holy shit, imagine that you could actually have a team face a third and long. I think the bills only had like six third downs the whole night. Cause they kept getting first downs on first and second down, but that Contavious street play. That was an all time bonehead play. And it, it, that caused a loud expletive in the Guerrera household. <laughs> now, you know, we're talking about all the negatives. I think I, I no, wouldn't we're say. We're not done with the negatives yet. No, no, we're no, not no, 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 not, not by a long shot. I'm bringing in, I, I didn't include this in my, you know, stone cold locks, whatever you want to call it. I think this one's very close. I just didn't quite put it in that category. And that's that Tavarius Moore is not the answer next year at safety. <laughs> he he still plays like a rookie. He still does. He makes the same mistakes that a rookie would make. Not knowing his assignment, being late to be to his assignment on the, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a touchdown or just a, a crucial first down. I think it was the touchdown. When he, he was late to getting over to his man on the outside. Yep. And when he has single coverage, instead of going over the top of his his opponent or or teammate that's coming on the crossing route he went underneath which means he's shallower which allowed the defender who's a speed demon get behind him that's a rookie mistake you're what you're three now you you can't make those mistakes if he's still making those mistakes he is not an answer he's a great depth piece he is not a starter 
And that wasn't the only mistake he made in the game. He made a couple of boneheaded plays, a couple of missed assignments where he was late coming over as a safety. I, I liked his potential. Going all the way back to last year, I named him my breakout player going into last year, and that didn't come to fruition, but I've still thought that he has plenty of potential. But it, with the mistakes he made tonight, I'm out. Like, you're somebody that you want as a guy who's capable of being a backup in the slot, backup at safety, great depth piece. That's it. If you're relying on him as a restarter, as a starter, you got major problems. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play. Nobody on the defense played well, really, except for Fred Warner. And and Deion Jordan actually made a couple of good plays today, believe it or not. But, I mean, it was as bad a defensive performance. Uh, I mean, I never thought in a million years the reason the 49ers would lose this game is because of the defense. And the offense didn't play well, but the defense was worse. I, I have to put this one on the defense if I have to hand out pieces of blame pie. Robert Sala's getting the biggest one. Because it was as bad a game plan, and like you say, Levin, no adjustments again, as we've seen all year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I will say as his head coaching candidacy goes, and I made mention of this on our our Gold Standard podcast last week, the deficiency of not making in game adjustments goes away to a certain extent if he's a head coach, because he's going to have the defensive coordinator there to make those adjustments. You know, that, that's not really what he's going to be doing as a head coach unless he makes the mistake. And I, I think it, it would be a mistake in this regard for him to try to run the defense as well as be the head coach. You know, it's a very rare person who's capable of doing that. I would say Shanahan is a rare person capable of doing that with offense. But even we see like Andy Reid has an offensive coordinator there. Even though he has plays a heavy hand in the offense, he has a coordinator there because he needs to rely or needs to concentrate on some of the head coaching gigs. So I would say that as far as his head coaching candidacy goes, it's not as big of a negative as I would think, or as some might think, but as a defensive coordinator, it's a massive negative because you have to be able to adjust and he just can't or is not willing to. You know, before the game started, I was all pumped up because I heard Brandon Ayuk was going to return punts. And I was like, fantastic. That'll be nice to have a good returner for a change. There's only one problem. The Bills punted one time in the whole damn game, and it was in the fourth quarter when it didn't matter anymore. I mean, that is how pathetic the 49ers were. The Bills only had nine third downs the whole game. And I think, if I can remember correctly, they only had three. I think it's three that were five yards or more. Everything else was third and short all night long. And when it's third and short, that's really hard for your defense to stop, especially when you can't get any pass rush. And that's what we saw tonight. The Bills had no problem moving the chains the entire night. It was a hideous, hideous defensive performance. And the cherry on top to my bad night, and I know nobody cares about this. You've already said that on Twitter. Was not only did the Niners play terribly, but the lone bright spot in this game, I would say, was Brandon Ayuk. He did have a couple drops there in the second half, but he's looking like a true number one receiver. The problem for me personally was that his big catch there in the second half caused me to lose an all-important fantasy game in my family league. So it's like the one lone positive of this game is still kind of a negative for me. You know, when you tweet something out and I respond with nobody cares, that doesn't mean I want you to then mention it in the podcast we record a few hours later. Uh, yeah, nobody cares that you said that. 
that was a Robert Sala-esque decision from you right there. But I actually disagree with you. I think Ayuk had some of the worst plays of the night, and I think he was the go to the game for much of the evening. Not the go to the game, because that was Robert Sala, but one of the worst players on the field for part of the evening. So I want to I want to take a break, and then on the other side of the break, I'm going to explain that, and then we'll rip apart this offense, which, by the way, also wasn't very good. All right, so we touched on the defense and all the struggles there in the first part of the pod, Levin. Now let's get to the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers because I wasn't impressed by anything I saw. And I know that Brandon Ayuk may have ended up with some fancy stats, but I actually think he did not have a very good game because he led one ball hit him in the hands that led to a Nick Mullins interceptions. That was a huge play in the game. Went right off of his hands into the defender's hands. And then he killed another drive when he missed his block on a defensive end that resulted in a nine-yard loss for Tevin Coleman when the 49ers were trying to get something going in the second half. Both of those plays were huge. He killed two drives in the game. Yeah, he definitely ended with a whimper. He had a much better first half than second half, but he still had 95 yards. He had the touchdown. You know, he, he had that long catch there in the second half, which was a tremendous adjustment. I mean, he literally went from sprinting down the field to turning around, running backwards, and then turning back forward to get to that ball, if that makes sense. It's hard to picture unless you actually saw the play. But I would say he still showed why he's a number one receiver. He just also showed why he's a rookie. He caught one ball. Like, real honestly, like, he caught one impressive ball. That was a good play. I, I admit he had to sort of twist around while the ball was in the air and adjust to it for sure. And the punt return actually was pretty good, to be fair. It was a good punt return. He just didn't get the chance to do more. But otherwise, like, they kept going to him, first of all. They wouldn't get the ball to Debo Samuel in the first part of the game. I don't know why. And I know Akash was tweeting that, you know, Trey White's really good, which he is. But just because the defense has one really good player doesn't mean that, oh, there's nothing you can do. Throw your hands up. I can't get the ball to Debo Samuel. How many jet sweeps and speed sweeps do we see tonight, Levin? Uh, big zero. None. None. Again. How many times is he? I mean, Kyle Shannon keeps doing this. Like, Every time they lose, what do we say? Where were the jet sweeps? Where was Debo when he actually plays? Like, I feel like it's like Groundhog Day. Just the same thing again and again. It is. Shanahan, I don't think, came out with a a very good game plan. I do think, uh, I, I will say this. He came out with what I predicted he would. It just didn't work. I thought he was going to come out trying to run the ball. I did think he would try to use Debo. I was thinking he was going to try to create a short game, make the defense cheat up. And then once they cheat up, hit Ayuk deep. Didn't quite work out, mainly because the run game couldn't get going. You know, Mostert never really got going in this game. Never quite saw his daylight. I will say, if you want to give a positive out there, which there's not really anything to to give greatly, and they're not really deserving of one. But I thought the offensive line did decently well in pass protection which was a surprise. Their run blocking was a problem, but their actual pass protection for once was decent. Yeah, I have to say that it wasn't a bad pass protection. There were a couple of plays, but like there's a couple of plays every game. You can't really go nuts about that. But just the game planning from Kyle, I mean, at the end of the first half, he's trying to run a two-minute drill with runs and checkdowns. Like that was his plan was try to run the ball down the field and then, okay, let's throw a short one to Jeff Wilson. I think it was out of the backfield. Like where was the, where was Jordan Reed over the middle? Where was Debo again? 
I mean, you love throwing an Ayuk. I didn't really see it that much on that drive. Like, you can't. That's not how you do a two-minute drive, Kyle. Like, what the hell? I I just didn't like anything that he did on offense tonight. I didn't think the game plan was sound. They get down near the goal line, first possession of the game, and they're running friggin' shotguns. A foot away from the end zone, they're running out of the shotgun. Like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> I I do think one of the underrated factors in deciding this game was those short yardage because both teams had a whole bunch of third and ones or fourth and ones. And other than that first time when the Niners stuffed the bills on the goal line, the bills outsmarted the Niners. They were running outside runs, you know, quick, short outside passes. They were getting it outside in order to get away from the Niners stuff in the line of scrimmage. The Niners were never that creative. The Niners couldn't convert their short yardage situations. They got stopped on the goal line. You know, they tried multiple times to run Jeff Wilson short there, and he got stopped. And then they were going to do a QB sneak with Nick Mullins. He false started. You know, they could not convert those short yardage. And I think that was the difference is the Bills tried to run up the gut on their first short yardage situation didn't work they adjusted started going outside and fighting daylight to convert those first downs and the Niners just kept trying to plunge it forward and it never worked who gets a false start on a QB sneak like that just that's just a microcosm of the night like the 49ers could not execute could not do anything right who gets a false start on a QB sneak uh a QB who's one not used to him not built for them and a backup I mean, he looked so just jittery, man. He did he not did. want to get hit. He was, give me this ball so I can get this over with. He wanted no part of that. He had a couple. I think there was like two plays where he actually evaded the pass rush, rolled out and bought some time and had a couple of completions. I will say that he did that a couple of times. And he actually did that a couple of times last week as well. But when his first, I don't know what it is about quarterbacks in this system. When their first read is not there. There just seems to be generally a look of panic. And then it's, oh, no, let me try and hit my first read again in the second window, which almost never works and usually gets intercepted. Uh, That might be a microcosm of the offensive line for going on all four years now has been a horrendous pass blocking. I mean, I just gave them credit for pass blocking in this game. Okay, fine, whatever. But in general, they're among the worst pass blocking teams in the league. And I think that has an effect on quarterbacks when it's consistently bad pass blocking offensive line that I got to hope my first read is there because if it's not, I'm likely going to be under pressure or have somebody in my face. And I I think you see that in their panic because it's so consistent that when their first read isn't there, you know, you see the Jimmy happy feet or you see Nick Mullins, he starts to get jittery and he starts wanting to force it because he's so scared of getting that hit. Shanahan again had Mullins back after the game. Quote, I thought he gave us a chance, said the quarterback did some good things and some bad things today. Like, maybe like one good thing, but mostly he wasn't that good. He wasn't that special. Like, I I well, don't know. I'll I mean, say this. He's not supposed to be. He's a backup. I will say he played like an average backup. He had problems. He has limitations. But he had a few plays. The deep ball to Ayuk was a really good throw. He is what a backup is supposed to be. He's just not a starter. Unlike what some people out there are still trying to freaking push. He is an average backup. 
And with how cheap he is salary-wise, he's a valuable backup. But that's all he is. He's going to miss plays. He's going to throw an interception. He's going to make mistakes. But he's going to make an occasional good play, and that's all you can ask for out of a backup. I actually thought the broadcast did a pretty good job. They pinpointed a couple of plays in the red zone where if Mullins puts the ball where it's supposed to be, where it needs to be, they're touchdowns instead of not touchdowns. One was to Bourne, where Bourne was about an inch short on the goal line. Mullins threw it to the inside shoulder when it should have been thrown to the outside shoulder. It would have been an easy touchdown. And then the interception to Trey White near the end of the game, he's throwing to Wilson and he throws behind Wilson. Like, it's just maddening. It is so like I would rather they go three and out than get all the way down to the damn red zone and then f*** it up <laughs> again. You know, we can get into this more, and I'm sure it's going to be one of the topics on the network, if not multiple episodes, podcasts of us talking about this. But, you know, I, I think it should be said. You saw the difference between having a truly great quarterback and not having one in this game. There were plenty of times where there wasn't really much there for Josh Allen, and he either made a tremendous throw or he bought time with his feet and waited for the opening and then made the play. And that is why the Niners need to get somebody who can make plays with their feet, whether to buy time or to actually run it. I mean, we didn't really see Josh Allen as a runner in this game. He did not run much. He didn't have to because he bought time and hit the open man. And he made some tremendous throws. There were a couple throws over the middle that were incredibly tight windows where he needed perfect accuracy, and he did it. That's the difference. The Niners, with a quarterback like Josh Allen, would be dominant. Well, what's that old saying? If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Well, the 49ers ain't riding, okay? Because they got a beggar at quarterback, and that's Nick Mullins. That is true, and they have an injury-prone starting quarterback, so... That's a major issue that, like I said, we can get in. We can save that, I think, for more talk about that in the middle of the week because there there's some questions now. There's a, a very real chance that in a couple months, the Niners and Niners fans are going to be looking back on that Rams game from last week, kind of kicking themselves going, that cost us a Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or some other quarterback that would have been where the Niners would have been picking because that one win is likely going to be a three or four draft pick slot difference. And that's a world of difference when you're talking about the top half of the first round. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I, again, I I can't, I have a hard time getting bent out of shape about the draft pick this year. Like if you want a guy, you can go get a guy. Like that's just the bottom line. If you want a guy in the draft, other than maybe Trevor Lawrence, although I think if you offer the Jets five first-round picks and, like, George Kittle and Nick Bosa, you could probably get that draft pick if you really wanted it. But, like, if you want a guy, for the most part, you can go and get a guy. So we'll see what happens in April. I'm not going to worry about that now. By the way, DJ Jones suffered a high ankle sprain, which makes, oh, I don't know, the 50th high ankle sprain for the 49ers this year. Because, you know, we played a game in 2020, so somebody had to get hurt. You know, let me just say this, because... It's nothing personal specifically to DJ Jones, but these guys who cannot stay healthy just need to be sent packing. The Niners have way too many of them, and this has been going on for damn near a decade with this franchise. So I don't know who it is, whether it's Adam Peters or somebody in that freaking front office that loves to get these 
guys on the cheap because, hey, they're injury prone. Yeah, they're injury prone. That's when you fill your entire roster with injury prone people, you're going to have the problem that the Niners are having every single year. Send them packing. If you can't stay healthy on this team, I don't care how good you are when healthy, send them packing. And yeah, you want to put this, somebody might put this out there. Nick Boza, you mentioned it on Twitter. Maybe you don't pay him when time comes because of his injury history. If he can't stay healthy next year, the Niners need to find a contingency plan because you can't count on them. Even Nick Bosa can be put in that category is the point I'm making. I don't care who you are. If you can't stay healthy, I don't care. Like you, you can be Patrick Mahomes when healthy. I don't care if you can't stay healthy. And if there's one phrase I, we can just retire, like people could just stop saying this because I'm tired of hearing it. Well, when everybody gets back, when the 49ers are whole, forget that. You know, when you're whole, there's only one week you're whole if you're lucky. And that's week one. After that, you're never whole again. It's a 100% injury rate in the sport, okay? You're never going to have all your guys back at 100%. So stop with that fairy tale. It's just not going to happen, 49ers fans. Yeah, if everybody was healthy, you would dominate and kick people's butts. I agree. But you know what? That's never going to happen because that's just not football and that's not reality. So stop saying that and stop trying to excuse everything that happens in the meantime just because guys aren't healthy. And that's why I want a quarterback who doesn't have an injury history in the draft. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> that's what I tweeted during the game. As soon as, as the Bills scored a touchdown, I think, what, to put it, give him 34 points or whatever it was, maybe even before that, to be honest, I said, well, now we're back to talking about the draft because that's where I think we are. I know you said it earlier. Forget the playoffs. It's not happening. I think the 49, I hope they win every game the rest of the season. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Do I hope they will? Sure, I hope they will. But they're not. That's just where we are. Yeah, it, it it's where we are. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, anybody out there that still thinks the Niners have a shot at the playoffs is delusional. Yeah, they could go and win three games technically, and that most likely 9-7 and seven gets you in the playoffs this year. It's just not happening. Like it's a not even a pipe dream. It's a delusional, whatever you want to call it. Like move on. The season is done in terms of any chance of doing anything of real importance. It's time to look towards the future. You know, it's time to look. Maybe not so much of the draft just yet. Maybe a little bit, as we've already mentioned. But look at playing younger players. Looking at who are going to be the guys that you want to still be here next year last thing i want to get to before we call it a pod and that is kyle shanahan said after the game that the relocation to arizona had zero to do with anything that happened tonight you buying that yes and no i mean do i think it probably had a small effect to be uprooted from your home yeah probably but in the end they're professionals in the end they've been on the road before they they should be as used to this as any team in the NFL and they should be able to overcome it. So even if you want to say it had a small effect, you know, tough shit, you're a professional. Dre Greenlaw after the game, we were a lot better team than we displayed. Everyone felt good. No, you're not a better team than you displayed. You're exactly the team you displayed, Dre. Like that's who you are. That's who this team has been this season. I said it before when they have expectations, they flop. They fell on their face again tonight, and that's who the 2020 49ers are. 
I'm saying this because I'm sick of it. That type of mentality has got to be coming from Shanahan because Shanahan never quite fully criticizes his team and he needs to start because that type of mentality that is shown with what Greenlaw said, he's not the first one to have it. That goes right in line with the Mike McGlinchey, well, other than a few bad plays, I played really well, type BS. No, you didn't. Those plays matter. It doesn't, all that matters is what actually happened on the field. And this making excuses or trying to paint a different picture than reality by saying, well, if you take this away or you take that away, or, well, no, what happened isn't isn't really what it is. Bullshit. Fess up. Say, hey, we got our asses kicked. We didn't play well. We're hoping to come out and do better in the future. That's it. None of this bullshit of, well, we're better than what we displayed. No, I'm so sick of that mentality. And at this point, there's been so many players to say it this year. and It goes right in line with Kyle Shanahan's talk that they got to be picking it up from him, from him. And he needs to change his tune because that is not a mentality you can have. That shows zero accountability from your team. I'm just, I'm so sick of that. Like I'm, I'm trying not to go on a cussing rant because I know you have to edit out cusses. <laughs> well, you're at three now, so <laughs> you're too late, man. <laughs> like that mentality just, pisses me off like it it always pissed me off like no I wasn't some great athlete you know I I played a year in college of of a couple different sports but I wasn't any great athlete but even when I was playing in high school whatever you want to call it I hated that type of mentality of well you know we could have done this and we would have won yeah you didn't though like I, I I've never understood why people can't just say hey we got our kicked we weren't good today I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I don't have that disconnect in my head. I never have. And it drives me nuts when people are like that, when they just try to try to skew it so that it sounds better. And like Dre, based on what, based on what are you a better team than you displayed? The fact that you made the Super Bowl last year. Well, it's a totally different year. It's a totally different team. So like based on what evidence have you, is there that they're a better team than what they showed tonight? There is none. Like I agree with you, Levin, they're getting that from somewhere. And I don't know if it goes back to the beginning of the year when Kyle was talking about, Hey, we got, we're going to go right back to the Super Bowl. You know, we want to get right back there instead of saying, forget thinking about the Super Bowl right now. Think about week to week. I don't know where that mentality sprang up but you're right it needs to be pulled out from the root it needs to be squashed and burned and killed with fire that's all i can say on that is it it drives me nuts it's a losing type of mentality because it means you never fess up to your mistakes you always have an excuse for why something happened you know it's always well hey i'm actually a good player it doesn't matter you know sherman had a good game other than that penalty and getting burnt a couple times i mean you know there were like 50 other plays where he wasn't the guy that allowed the completion so he must have had a pretty good game right i mean it's just a losing mentality if everyone's bad plays or bad mistakes or bad decisions are eliminated everybody looks good the jets if the jets don't give up that play to henry ruggs last week they would have gotten the win well of course Greg Williams would still be employed, you know, if you didn't send an all-out blitz on a Hail Mary. But you did give it up because you're the Jets. That's what makes you the Jets. That play, the fact that you gave it up, the fact that the, Mike McGlinchey's getting trucked by defensive backs, 
and the fact that the 49ers decided to play zone coverage for 80% of the game, even though Josh Allen was tearing them up, like that's what makes you lose this game. That's what makes you five and seven. And that's what the 49ers are. They're five and seven. Their playoff hopes are dead and they're going to be totally retooled defensively for 2021. What's your best case scenario for the end of the year? My best case scenario is win all four games, look pretty good. And then you figure out, you know, the quarterback situation in the offseason. I'm never going to root and hope that the team loses. Never, ever, ever. I do not care about the draft pick. You can get the picks you want if you want them. Like, there's a way to do it. If the 49ers pick three spots higher, what do they have to give up? One less sixth-round pick? Like, stop it. Who cares? (laughs) I was just curious what you were going to say. Yeah, I guess technically the best-case scenario is 9-7. and But would you rather be 8-8? and seven and nine or five and 11 other than the pipe dream of nine and seven and getting in the playoffs. The best case scenario for the Niners is to lose out. I hate it. I won't be rooting for them to lose when I watch games because I just can't bring myself to do it. But in reality, the best case scenario, the be- let me put it this way. The best case realistic scenario for the Niners is to lose out. Only if you're talking about the draft pick. That's it. That's the only way it's better. And by the way, they can have a higher draft pick and still screw up the pick. Remember Solomon Thomas? I mean, like, so it doesn't guarantee anything. No, but it gives you a better shot. It's all about winning. The Niners are not going to be able to win this year. So that means you push it down and what make push it down the road. Sorry. What makes you better in the future? What makes you better in the future is losing out. It, it is what it is. The Niners aren't going to play to lose. And like I said, I I can't bring myself to root for that. But I'm just saying that is the best case scenario. I disagree. You know what? I got four more weeks to watch this team. I don't want to watch them lose. Like I got this is supposed to be entertaining, right? I'm supposed to get pleasure for this. And by the way, selfishly, it's better for our business if the 49ers win because more people stay interested. So I got a lot of reasons to root for the 49ers to win. Not the least of which is I want to be freaking entertained for the next month. Now you sound like the gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> and you certainly don't look like Russell Crowe. No, but I'm just as good a singer. Oh, yeah? That's that's a knock on me and Russell Crowe. That's a self-burn, too. Those are rare. Oh, I was going to sit here and say maybe your punishment for losing our season-long bet is I'm going to make you sing on a podcast. That's a punishment for everyone listening. That's not a punishment <laughs> for me because I actually enjoy singing. I just can't do it. So feel free. I can sing a couple bars. What do you want? Like Ring of Fire? Do the Seahawks have a theme song? (laughs) I have no idea. I think they should be more focused on beating the Giants. Maybe maybe I'll write my own song and you'll have to sing about how great Taysom Hill is. Who's undefeated as a starter, by the way. Yeah, great. He played the Falcons twice in a team that literally didn't have a quarterback. I mean, could Sean Payton have a horseshoe up his ass anymore? Every time his starting quarterback goes down, they get the softest marshmallow schedule you've ever seen. <laughs> well, I mean, the Saints don't have a quarterback either, and they still win, so. <laughs> true, they don't have a quarterback. All right. So this is your plan now. The 49ers are going to lose, and you're just going to try and get me going on Taysom Hill every week. I see how it is. What are you going to do if the Saints win the Super Bowl and he has some, like, big play? Because right now they're the number one seed in the NFC, and they certainly – it's them and the Packers. I'm not going to worry too much about it, to be honest with you. I don't don't spend my time thinking about Taysom Hill, except for when you randomly and gratuitously bring his name up on this podcast. 
So pretty much all the time then. You think about him all the time. That's going to do it for this Instant Reaction podcast. Screw you. 49ers lose. They're 5-7. and seven. Things are not good. But we still got four more games. So stick with us. Hopefully they get better. What happened to your best case scenario? Best case scenario is more than four games. Yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen. Even if they, I'm saying even if they win all four, I don't think they get in. That's why. Eh, it, it's possible, but I think they would probably get, I think nine and seven gets you in the playoffs. But I thought we were wrapping this thing. We were until you screwed it up. Hey, you're the host here. If there's a problem on this pod, the answer to why did that happen is usually because Levin started talking. Oh, you thought I was going to talk there. Awkward pause. <laughs> It won't be when I edit it. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Hopefully you at least commiserated with us on this podcast. We love your ratings and your reviews. We always appreciate them. So please do that. Also tell a friend about this awesome 49ers podcast. You heard that helps us out a bunch too. For Levin Black, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Try and have a good week. 